It's the Generation's End Podcast, episode 13. And today, I have for you guys a really fun episode that I recorded about a couple weeks ago. I'm joined by two of my really good friends from school, Lisa and Chris, and we had a really good conversation about all things media in the year 2020 and beyond. We discussed everything from internet accessibility to streaming to digital distribution. So I think you guys are going to find these conversations really interesting and kind of thoughtful as we continue to progress in technologies uh, going forward to this year and beyond. Lisa and Chris, they're really good at what they do. They're great in the media industry. They know their stuff and you know they've been paying attention to studying it for quite some time. And I'm really happy that they were able to come on the show and discuss all these things because they're really important. And I hope you guys can you know, learn something and think about the way we consume media every day, because I think this is going to be a really interesting episode for you guys. So thanks so much for Lisa and Chris for joining and enjoy the conversation. Chris and Lisa here, two of my great friends from school and media experts. What's up, guys? Hey, <laughs> media experts. Media so generous. Like <laughs> Thank you. Well, I don't know about you, Chris. You're more of an idiot. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would say, hey, listen, novice. I'm, I'm getting my feet wet in the, in the expert. <laughs> no. Oh, I'm just, I'm just kidding, bro. How you guys doing? Doing good. Doing good. Yeah, doing good in this uh, crazy time we're living in. Trying to uh, make the best of it, hopefully. Oh yeah. Yeah, always, always, just trying to day by day, just getting by. Yeah, I'm at, I'm at the point where if Twitter tells me something, like I just believe it because this year is just getting crazier and crazier. So if like they just said like, oh, like aliens are real or something, or like showed us just any footage, I'll be like, all right, yeah. I don't even think it would phase me at this point. Well, Chris, remember Area 51 was last year, dude. We already found the aliens. <laughs> I, saw, I actually saw something it's like all this bad stuff started happening after we raided area 51 so <laughs> that's it's what like, I'm saying, it, dude. It's, so maybe it's the government like going back at us for raiding it <laughs> maybe yeah it's it's all a ploy by the aliens because we were at area 51 and we never should have been there for the first place it was a bad <laughs> mistake it was a bad mistake. mistake so well i want to thank you guys for coming on my show because first of all you guys are some of my best friends i made at school and you guys are awesome and i really appreciate you guys taking the time out of your days and this uh this holiday weekend we have to come on my show and talk about the very exciting and interesting world of media in this time oh it's a pleasure to be here justin Thanks we're for big fans us. of the pod Oh, absolutely. I appreciate that, guys. <laughs> I, no, I appreciate that. It means a lot. I'm glad you guys are enjoying it. And I'm glad I finally was able to get you guys on an episode because we've been meaning to talk about this for a while, but we had a lot of stuff come up and we all got busy and I had other episodes. So I'm glad we're finally able to do this episode here. Oh, yeah, I'm yeah, super excited. excited. We're going to be talking about the changing landscape of media and entertainment in the year 2020 and after 2020. So obviously... With this time we're living in, we're having such a demand of just technology and, and the internet and content consumption and content creation than ever before. So to start off, I want to know, what are you guys doing in terms of entertainment? Are you guys 
streaming a lot or are you watching regular TV? What are you guys doing? Why don't we start with uh, Lisa? Yeah, so I, I'm definitely on, um, you know, the main streaming sites, just kind of watch. I, I hate to admit that I watch trash television because I, I work in trash television, but I've been streaming like a ton of just reality TV and old reality TV. And they are like coming out with some new reality TV where they're doing like the what are they doing with like the zoom calls um which i don't mind but i've just been on like netflix hulu um and like watching stuff like that i've also been streaming a ton of um, podcasts because a lot of people have come like out of the woodworks to just make like really interesting and like very insightful podcasts so I've, i've been like really deep diving in like a bunch of different you know platforms um but especially like just streaming streaming trash that's what i'm doing that's awesome and this podcast i hope no i'm just kidding <laughs> uh, of course i of course streaming it all day yo appreciate binge, that binge listening <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't turn it off anytime I, I go up there like what are you listening to she's like generation zen yes oh, thank you Lisa. the only thing she's the only thing she listens to let's she, go she recites the podcast in her sleep Big fan of the Julia Tilly podcast. She uh she pulled out the the Croc in her, her episode. And she she like, did. She's <laughs> talking about Crocs, and I was like, "That's that's my girl right there." <laughs> talking about some Crocs. <laughs> well, what about you, Chris? What have you been listening or watching? Aside from live sports, is the only thing that I watch like traditional like broadcast. But I've I stream pretty much everything. So like I'll I'll be on YouTube. I watch some Twitch streams. I watch. Uh, Netflix, Hulu, like all of that. Just those, those are things I'm mainly watching. I, I like watching the NBA, but it's it's a very uh very strange thing, like with the like virtual fans and everything. It's like it's a little, totally. it's a little, uh, a little chilling that it's like oh, like I'm I'm enjoying the sport that I'm watching, but it's like in such a different setting. Like it looks like it looks like summer league, you know. It's not the the basketball I know and love. Oh, exactly. No, I've been watching the NBA bubble, as they call it, too. And and you're right. It's it's very off because you don't have Spike Lee, you know, and screaming in everyone's in everyone's <laughs> face and and courtside beef. And, and you know what I'm saying? Like, we don't have these kind of moments. So it's I don't want to say like pickup games, but there definitely is something about it. Like you could tell that the crowd noise there is artificial. And obviously it is, but, you know, it just feels kind of off and, and weird. I mean, I'm enjoying it. Don't get me wrong. I mean, we've had some really great games uh, in the bubble. I mean, we had a great game the other night with Houston and OKC that I watched. And the, the, the Nuggets and Jazz series was very good as well. I like how they restarted it. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, there is something off about it. And I feel like that's like that with so many things. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's like the same thing with baseball. Like if you watch any baseball, like the cutouts are just so weird man yeah it's so weird watching just like uh like even like some directors will like do like the sequences that i guess they would do to like do like ad like just uh, like lower third ads and they'll do like a crowd shot like crowd <laughs> like air quotes crowd and it's just like all the like the the cutouts in the crowd i'm like this looks so weird like just do like find another way to do the ad like Cause it's just like, it, it takes me out of the, like the simulation. It like just takes me out of it so much. So I'm like, Oh, no one's there. It's just an empty stadium. Yeah. Cause at least in the NBA, like we have summer league and stuff. So you're right. We're more used to it, but 
playing baseball and when the NFL returns in empty stadiums is so weird. I, I don't personally, I don't like how they did the the cardboard cutouts. See, I don't know enough about why baseball did it. Was it because like the players felt some kind of like mental insecurity by not playing in front of fans. Was that why? Uh, I don't. I don't think so. But I know that. Um teams and like like the stadiums and venues and stuff are like using it as a way to make money so like if you wanted to be in the crowd of the next met game or yankee game like you can pay 80 bucks to like have your like you would send them a picture and then they put a cut out of you and then obviously if you want to be behind home plate it's going to be like more expensive but what what i've heard is like 80 dollars is like a pretty standard thing like (laughs) who's paying 80 dollars to put their cut out there like do you love the team that much like I like the Mets, but they gotta start winning something. They gotta win a World Series in my lifetime before I spend eighty hours to put a picture of me there. And that's what I don't understand too, because it's like you have a a potential chance to see it on TV. You know, at least with the NBA with the Zoom games, at least you're there. You know, at least you have a cool feed and you have other people in a yeah. chat, like and you're chatting with other fans talking about the game. Getting a cardboard cutout and paying paying for it to be, you know, by home plate with a chance to be able to see it. That's just so weird. Yeah, it's not like they're gonna give you like a, a close up of you. It's like you're just no. another face in the like you're just there. Exactly. <laughs> just, unless you're sending a really funny picture that that they have to like it's gonna be <laughs> like catch someone's eye. I agree. It's it's really strange, man. I don't I don't know. For like for me personally, I've been mostly sports are the only piece of media on tv i watch to be honest like i don't watch traditional tv at all i watch streaming and youtube like some some of the things i watch on youtube i watch tech channels mkbhd dave 2d those guys then i have like my gaming section like of course review tech usa is my homie i watch i go to streams all the time watch his stuff uh spawn wave media modern venture game like stuff like that guys like that dreamcast guy like that group so, like, I, I find a very, like, niche set of videos and things I like. I'm also catching up on, like, other shows, like Star Wars The Clone Wars. I was watching other, like, cartoons and stuff that were on, like, The Simpsons and Beavis and Butthead, which are great shows that I've been catching up on. Are you catching up on Avatar? You know what's funny? I never got into Avatar, ever. Really? Do you guys like she it? Does so not stop, she does not stop talking about Avatar. Uh, I love Avatar. I love she, Avatar. She... We'll talk about Zuko until the day she dies. I she has such, such a crush on Zuko. On Zuko. <laughs> Maybe I should give it another try, because I tried twice. Granted, one of them I was younger, and one of them was about two years ago, and I couldn't get into it, but maybe I should give it another try, because I hear nothing but good things about it, and everyone loves it. It's really an incredible show. I would, If I were to say anything, like I guess the, the first season would, I guess, be like the weakest. But it's just because it's it's still finding itself. Like it's a it's very much like a kid show at that point. But like book two and three, it's like there's some heavy stuff in there. That's probably why. Because I've only watched the first season. Yeah, like I would say like up until, because because they kind of do like globetrotting. They're showing you like the unique world and everything, and like there's some cool world building stuff in there. It's it's very like uh, along the way it kind of gets redundant in the sense it's like oh they run into the Fire Nation, they get captured, they escape, like blah blah blah. Towards the at the the latter half of the season, like it gets really good. Like once they get like up north to the uh, northern water tribe, there's some cool stuff there. <laughs> and then the second season is just Chef's Kiss, moi. And the third season <laughs> is ooh, it was so good. And then if you and then if you like that, definitely check out Cora. Very divided fan base on Cora, but I love Cora. It's good. 
Okay, well, giving it a review of a what was that chef's kiss moi makes chef, me very interested. Yes, <laughs> you know, you know when they do the Italian head like a wah. You know, you know yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. That's what you would give the show as a review. A mm-hmm. chef's one kiss whole moi. Chef, one one whole chef kiss. Okay, all right. Well, I should give it another go then because I've never got past episode like 15 of the first season. So I'll, I'll have to give it another go, Chris, just to make you guys happy. And Lisa likes it too. Definitely so it. if Lisa yeah, likes it fan. and if Lisa was able to get through it, I'll probably like it too. 100%. <laughs> you'll, you'll love it. You'll love it. Shifting gears a little bit besides of the stuff that we've been watching. I want to talk about how people have consumed media and consumed technology as this year, as 2020 and this pandemic and everything has affected the whole world. And even though we're not able to do in-person activities, I feel like we're in a really connected society still, even though also too, we're not really doing much because a lot of us are still at home and there's not many activities that are open and things to do. How do you guys think about technology during this pandemic and being like even more interconnected before do you guys feel like that's a thing is that just me Uh, what are your thoughts oh when i i feel like it's like heightened how just connected we are and for a while especially i don't know if you felt this working in media but for a while i felt like i had absolutely like no escape from like just being online constantly doing streaming like constantly i felt like my days were just consumed by just media and streaming and for like the the whole beginning of quarantine it just felt like it hit so hard like you were just doing so much especially remote you're constantly on a computer and it was weird changing from doing like live shows to then doing i was directing a show from my like living room with my family around me opposed to just being in a studio and like directing it from there so it just felt like I had no escape from any media because I was just doing it right in my house opposed from like a studio or like how you're supposed to professionally do it so it was really hard for me to adjust to the consumption of media just every single day if that makes sense. Well, absolutely makes sense. I totally agree like there are times where like I logged on you know started work when I was working from home at around nine ish and then even though I got done at like 5, 5.30-ish, um, it's just like, okay, then I'm watching TV and then I'm chatting with friends online. It's like, and then I got to see the news on social media. Like there was never an escape because if you're in an office even or you're just, you're, you're going somewhere, you're at least away from things for a while. You know what I mean? Like at least you're in your car yeah. driving to some place or you're, again, you're chatting with people in the office. This was like, I feel like, I still am to to a degree, but especially in the beginning, the hardest part was like I was always in front of a computer screen in front mm-hmm. of a device. And I always like to try to take time away to just not be in front of a device, not be in front of a, of a screen and just kind of detox and relax. But it was so hard to do that in the beginning because I felt like every day there was new news coming out that I had to be attuned to and I had to be paying attention to. So I, I totally know what you mean, Lisa. Did you feel that way, Chris? Yeah, I actually, like, very recently just realized how much, like, I am on my phone or consume just any sort of media, like, throughout the day. Like, literally, I wake up, and the first thing I do is put in my headphones to, like, either go to the gym or if I'm making myself breakfast, like, I, I'll listen to, like, a podcast or I'll or I'll listen to some music. And then when I'm at work, like, during the day, like, I listen to music while I, like, mow lawns. 
and then I come home from that and then I watch TV or I watch YouTube or I play a video game and then I go to bed. Like literally my entire day is spent consuming some form of media. Like obviously when I'm like even if even when I'm with Lisa, like we watch we watch TV or we listen to music. Like it's my entire life is revolved around media at this point. Like there's not a moment that I don't I'm not listening or watching something. Totally. Yeah, I totally agree, man. It's it's just I don't know. It's it feels hard to kind of turn away and turn off from something, especially since normal activities you would do outside were closed. And mm -hmm. they're more open now, but in the fall coming up, I feel like they're gonna start closing again because the weather is gonna get cold and not as many people are gonna be outside. It, it was very difficult because how do you balance between being online and being active in you know, communicating with people because you also want to know how your friends are doing and how other people are doing, but you don't always want to be on social media 24-7 or be on your phone 24-7, but so hard not to. So it's such a difficult balance. And I actually had a, uh, a week vacation that I took a couple weeks ago. Basically, all I did was I just was at my parents' house, and <laughs> all I did was, like, relax by their pool, and I literally spent almost no time on my phone. I caught up with like a couple work emails at the end of the day and that was it. And I played, you know, my Sega Genesis mini and my 3DS. So I barely meet what, what that means is I barely went on the internet for that week. So like I basically cut myself off from news. Like I paid attention to a little bit of what was going on, of course, because you have to, but it was like so relaxing at the same time though, because it was like, this is the first time in months, months that I never have, uh, like been totally active and not totally plugged in. I've been hearing yeah, no. a lot about these like detoxes from media, like where people are like, oh, I'm so consumed by everything that like people are unplugging a lot more now, like later into this quarantine and being home because they're like, wow, for these past like almost like six months, like I've just been glued to my phone and like glued to just since like what March, like literally home with all your technology, having to work, having to entertain yourself with it. So people are like detoxing, trying to like find uh, a balance. But I think it's really hard. Like I'm addicted to my phone. Like I'm checking it just like even like I've checked it probably 20 times already during this podcast, just yeah. clicking <laughs> it, seeing like what notifications I'm getting. It's hard to just not check your phone or your social media or your, like your email even like for work or whatever. But it's really hard to, I like, kudos to you for being able to to unplug. It's something I think we need to do. <laughs> yeah, and it was not easy, too, because I basically, I forced myself to, because I was like, all right, I'm playing these systems and these games, and I'm also going to be spending time outside. So, like, I am going to be on the internet very limited. Like, I was on the internet maybe half hour for each day, give or take. Hmm, uh, I really try to limit it. Uh, and I recommend it if possible because it's obviously not everyone can do that or like has the willpower to do it. And I totally understand. I mean, like I said, it was <laughs> it was not easy because I, you're always thinking you have an too. iron will. Justin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about an iron will, but, uh, I mean, it was difficult, but I it felt like I felt great when their vacation was over and I felt motivated to go back to work. And I felt, you know, a hundred times more productive than I was before just because I took that break. It's challenging though, because you're always... I don't know you're you're always thinking about what's going on, what's going on, because we live in this like interconnected society that we've never had before, and it really makes me wonder what they did back in the you know 
late 1900s and early 1920s when they were having that pandemic. You know what I'm saying? The this, this, oh, yeah. this Spanish flu. Like, what were they doing for entertainment then? I don't know. I haven't really heard many stories from people. <laughs> They'd run around, yeah. run around in the streets. Maybe, books, maybe a nice book. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, I, I guess so. I think that was the, the original 3DS was was a book. It has, <laughs> it has the same design. It folds open. There you go. There you go, Chris. But we were we were talking about phones before though, and laptops. Mm-hmm. We're getting into a big evolution in phones and the way they're designed and such. We have these candy bar style phones and they're made to use like for social media and texting and stuff, but they all have the same kind of design. But now companies like Samsung are realizing people are on their phones more than ever and they're making these folding style phones with two screens and look at all the tests you could do. You could be multi-productive on these phones. How do you guys feel about that? I like hate the idea of like having just that media on, like having that on me, knowing that I can and should be working and it's like burning a hole in my pocket like now that like my phone can have the capability most likely with all this stuff like oh you can stream like right from your phone you can do all this stuff right from your phone if it's gonna have a bigger monitor if it's gonna have a bigger screen like you can do like small social clips you can do all this stuff like working in media I think it's gonna be so much harder to because you can do that all now from your phone but like if they're gonna make it easier and like nicer I think it's just going to be so much harder to like put your phone like down and like put like your mind off of like your work. Cause even when I was like home and had my like computer and all my streaming stuff, I was like, Oh, it's right here. I should just be working. So if I'm like out in like the park and I have this device burning a hole, like in my pocket, like, Oh yeah, I can stream anything I want. I'm looking at my phone. Like I just hate like, that now it can just be like a 24-7 thing on call because, yeah, I've got it in my pocket, you know? Yeah, I actually – I kind of find it a little funny that, uh, like, the phone has evolved from being a folding phone and now it's regressing back to being, like, <laughs> a, a flip phone. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's going back to its original intent, intention, which I think is a little funny, but it's – I don't know. I'm getting to the point where it's, like, I'm – like, I don't – crave to have like a new phone each year like people are like oh you got to get like the new iphone or the new like samsung like this and that like i'm gonna use this thing till it breaks and then i'll get the one that's two years old anyway because it's cheaper like i'm like i'm so fed up with like the like because it's just so much in your face with with these phones it's like oh well this one could do this this and this and that i'm like well like i don't need it to do all that things i needed to like check twitter and and like make a phone call (laughs) Like, I don't, I don't, like, gaming on a phone, like, I, I don't think that that will ever, like, really catch on. Like, I know that it's, like, sort of popular, but, like, like I don't know. Anything besides, like, handing it to your, like, kid to shut them up for a, for a little while, be like, here, play Minecraft Pocket Edition. These phones are cool, and I like how they're advancing. However, like what Lisa said, I will feel more obligated to do work in situations where I shouldn't be doing work. And that, that includes anything. That includes a job, messaging, and video calling, and all this stuff that you don't necessarily want to do all the time with these folding phones. Because if they're like, look how much more productive you could be with two screens. Well, I don't necessarily, like you said, Chris, want to be productive on those two screens. I just want to check Twitter for you know, five <laughs> exactly. minutes on one screen. Like, I, I don't want two screens, one to check Twitter, and want to be on Facebook or, or as I call it, Boomer Book or something. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do that. I want to be on one platform. Like, I use, like, one social media platform. Think about, too, 
with these folding phones is like, oh, well, you can have technically four tabs open because you can have two tabs open on one screen and two tabs open on the other screen. It's like, no, this stop is, it. I don't, I don't want that. That's overwhelming. How much are these phones even going to be, though? If they're going to be like two screens, like, isn't that double the hardware? Like, how much is it going to cost? So the, the two biggest folding phones right now is you have the Samsung Fold 2, or they're now calling it the Z Fold 2. And I believe that's over $2,000. Microsoft's folding phone is going to be around the same price. So they're pretty expensive pieces of gear, and they're very fragile, too. Like, if they break, you're out of pocket $2,000. You know what I mean? Oh, man. It's double the chance to break it, too. There's two screens. <laughs> yeah, there's two screens, and think about it. You're unfolding and folding on a hinge. What happens if that hinge oh, goes my bad? God. Oh, my you know what God. I'm saying? Like a 3DS yeah. or a 2DS is like, okay, it's a, it's a $100 console at this point. Now you can get, right? Yeah. You just buy another one or you get it replaced. This, you're talking about a $2,000 plus dollar phone and that breaks and that unfolds. Guess what? Now all your contacts are gone. All your pictures are gone. Like y you need a phone that works. And there's just so many better phones you get for such a low price now. I always talk about the, the iPhone SE and the Google Pixel 4a. Those are $400 phones, and they're all you need, and they're amazing. Yeah, it's not necessary. It's just it's just like, oh, you want it because it's cool, and like it's going to like do all this cool stuff, and you're going to have it on you all the time, but it's just like such a double-edged sword. Like, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, you can do all this stuff, but then like, yeah, you can't disconnect. And yeah, like your boss will expect you to work all the time because you've got the device like at hand. So I think it's just going to be like such a, I mean, it's cool and it's awesome, but also it has its cons and it's expensive. So another huge con. I feel like it's also getting to the point where they're just like cramming technology, like as much technology as they can into these phones. And it's like, people are still buying them. Like there's four cameras on the new iPhone like or four lenses <laughs> on the new iPhone. Like, what are you using it for? <laughs> like, how, how do you need that many lenses? Yeah, unless you're like Marcus Brownlee, I have no idea what you're doing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's just nuts. What about laptops, though? Do you guys feel the same about laptops? Or is, it, is that different to you guys? Do you feel obligated to go on a laptop as much as like a phone? Because the laptops are portable devices, too. I like the convenience of a laptop, but since I've graduated college and like I'm not like currently working in the fields, like I have no need for my, like, not that I don't have a need for a laptop, but I have less of a situation where my laptop is is useful to me so like I, I just invested in a pc so i'm 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 using that right now because like I, I think it would be better to have like a workspace but if i'm working in the field i think a laptop would be just good to have so then it's like a, a portable workspace but like we were saying phones can pretty much do the same thing like at this point like unless i'm editing video or something along the lines of that like i can send emails i can send texts i can do whatever from my phone yeah I'm torn between like the laptop like the phone is just on me all the time but like I feel like I really only open my laptop when it comes to like doing work and stuff for work and like I feel like I'm never like oh let me just like go on my laptop because even like online shopping and stuff I just do it right from my phone anyway so I really only go on my laptop or open my laptop like if it like is work related if I have to like do something for work like edit a video edit like something but yeah, I feel like everything else that I do, I just do on my phone. So I really relate my laptop to just like doing work, being at work and like having to get stuff done like for work. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Me too. I feel the same way about laptops because the phone 
for me is always on me. So mm-hmm. it's much easier to check notifications. It's much easier to do stuff on it. The laptop, like, like I'm in a situation where Chris, like I have a work laptop that I use for work, but when I'm done working, it's easy for me to put away. The phone mm-hmm. is, is harder because the phone is both my work and my personal. So it's yeah. harder to separate those two things. Like I know that's why some people have work phones. Like for me, when my I have a, a desktop and also a personal laptop, but I don't feel like obligated to constantly be on my personal laptop or my personal desktop as much as a phone. So I yeah. totally I totally agree with both of you guys there. Yeah, it's the accessibility of the phone too. It's like if you're just sitting down or whatever, like even if you're like eating, like it's in your pocket. Like you have the, mm-hmm. the slightest like bit of boredom. You're like, oh, let me check just something. Let me check my email. Let me check my text. Like it's just, it's just there. Of course, like a laptop, it's like if it's not next to you, it's like, oh, I got to go get my laptop. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I got to get my laptop, guys. Yeah. I got to turn on my PC, guys. Yeah. But, but, but it's true, though. It's, and I feel like it, it feels more like put more effort in to like mm-hmm. do something on a laptop or a computer than a phone. It's always on you. You feel like a, a tiny bit of boredom when you're eating. Like you said, you check your phone, whereas the laptop, it's like, or the, or the PC, you got to be like, okay, like I want to actively go on Twitter because I have to type in or go in the bookmark, twitter.com, enter, and then get to it. Whereas the phone is like, you open it, you just, with these new phones, you just look at the damn phone and it opens up and then you hit one button. Whereas a laptop and a PC, I don't feel that problem of like being stuck glued to it. I have to actively be trying to do something on there. Yeah, 100%. You know, it's more effort, basically. (laughs) Not that it's any effort, but you know what I mean. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, the the keystrokes, definitely. (laughs) The the physical strain of typing in Twitter is so much. (laughs) I I think it's also, it's definitely uh, easier to consume the media on like your phone because it's just like the swiping motion. My thumb will hurt after a little bit from just like swiping through Twitter and swiping through Instagram. Like, like I'm just like, like, but on, on like a laptop or something, it's like, you got to have your hands on your, on your keyboard or on your mouse or something. But it's like, you just stare at your phone for like hours. Like I, I've caught myself just at like at work. If I'm bored at work, like I look at my phone and my feed doesn't update and then I'll check it like a minute later. Like <laughs> yeah. what is, what has been posted in that minute that like, like nothing. I know. It's no, like I'm I've, waiting I've for like breaking news on like <laughs> anything. Oh, it's so true because I think everybody, everybody can relate to that, Chris. Because I think of a scenario last week where it happened to me where I was like, I was just like watching something, put my phone down. And for some reason, I decided to check again a minute later like you just did. I'm <laughs> like, wait, what? The-? And I really caught myself too. I'm like, wait, what am I doing? Nothing got updated and changed. Like, <laughs> what is the point? My favorite thing is when you close an app and then immediately reopening app, expecting a different result. It's like, I'll, I'll close Twitter and then just be like, wait. And I click it open and trying to remember like, oh, I want to see something. And I just stare at it for a second. I'm like, wait, I just closed this. <laughs> and I'm, I'm just locked. Like, I feel like locking the phone is a better solution to than swiping out of the app because then you're less prone to just go right back in. Yeah, lock it and, and not have to worry about it again throw my phone across the room you know (laughs) (laughs) just make sure it's not near me not that the laptop or the pc is any like 
I don't get tired, <laughs> you know, typing <laughs> a website or doing something. <laughs> like I'm not, I'm not exhausted, but you know what I mean? I actually have to think about, at least for me, it's like, okay, I'm going to youtube.com right now. I'm going to actively look for this. Like I'm not mindlessly scrolling or swiping through, you know, I always have like my work stuff open. So like the phone, I, when I'm working, I always put the phone away you know, it's just easy to get distracted. It's easier to just do what you said and check Twitter, <laughs> close it, open it. It's like, no, don't do that. Actually, work <laughs> um, <laughs> for everybody, you know. But you know what's crazy, though? I don't know if you guys heard this, though. This is completely related. In an eight-hour working day, I think the average amount of work that gets done in an eight-hour workday, only two hours and like 30 minutes or something. Oh, yeah, I can, I can believe that. that. I yeah. can believe that. <laughs> Yes, I was close. Two hours and 53 minutes. That's all wow. people are productive for in a standard eight-hour workday. Think about this. The backbone of our society, 40-hour weeks, is basically mm -hmm. done in like 12 hours. Everything in society functions and happens on 12 hours of work, pretty much, <laughs> on <Damn>. average. <laughs> Isn't that I crazy? I wish I could just go in for two hours get paid the same <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's pretty it's pretty nuts but i saw that recently I'm like damn that's really eye-opening how our society is able to function like that you know that's like well, so, it's nuts. so much stuff is like automated now and it's just like like especially like with the uh with like the pandemic happening and everything it's like com companies and businesses are realizing that like they don't need like an office space like you just have people do stuff from home and it's like at that point like two like Two hours and 50 minutes sounds realistic because it's like, all right, they need to type up a couple documents and send an email. Like, it's not going to take them the entire day. What's the point of a lot of these companies, like accounting firms and stuff like that, to have an office if they don't really necessarily need it? Need it? Right, exactly, Lisa. But I did want to talk about as well internet accessibility because we talked about how we're on social media and mm -hmm. we're on these websites and stuff and streaming. A lot of people in the Midwest, in these very, I never could say the world word you guys can make fun of me for it. Rural, 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 rural. Yeah, that. Yeah, I can never, I can never say that word. Yeah, <laughs> I never can. They don't have very good internet accessibility to a lot of places. And, and the example I always say, very quick story is there's a guy on Review Tech USA streams who lives in one of those places, rural places, <laughs> where he has very limited internet access, but he plays video games. So what he has to do whenever a new game comes out, let's just say Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2 comes out, okay, and it's like a 40 gig game. He can't download 40 gigs uh, of storage onto his PC because the internet's not fast enough. He'll be waiting a week for it to download, and that's if his computer or his Xbox is on 24-7. So what he has to do is he has to take a, a hard drive, he mails it to his friend who lives in New York City. His friend downloads it on his hard drive for him, and then he has to send it back to him, and then he can play the games. Oh, what? My God. Yes, this That's is a true story. Insane. And it's crazy because there are so many places around the country and even other parts of the world that are like that. How do you think internet accessibility is going to hold back our future. And it's going to, and I mean, right now with the work from home, I feel like in a lot of instances it is, especially with schools going remote. And if the internet goes down during a test, like, what are your thoughts? Like how, uh, how can we get these internet speeds to kind of get up with the times? Yeah, that's it. It's insane to like, think about because like working from home, we didn't like think about other people's internet, but when I like just started out working from home and doing like live streaming, I'd have to have like a lot of like 
clients kind of call in via like Skype and we would like that's how like recordings were happening in the beginning like a lot of people were doing the Skype calls they're still doing it but I'd always ask people like can you run a speed test and like let me know like what your like upload and download speeds are just so I can get like a a feel for like why you're like so like horribly coming in like why I can't hear your audio why I can't really see your your video and they would come back to me and be like yeah I have a download speed of like point four and an upload speed of one I like it was so hard to like come up with solutions for like these clients that have like that like horrifyingly low of an internet speed and like it's something that like I've never really run into I mean I'm new to the field but I've never had to be like wow like I don't like I'm not with you I can't like engineer this problem for you like you just have horrible internet speed and now I can't get the show up because you decided to get like the worst internet and have like one a one upload and a a 0.5 download or whatever but I think it was like it's really hard now for people to even realize that like that's what the issue is and especially for like a lot of these like teachers and these young kids like they like don't know what to get like it's unless you're like really trained in media or trained in like technology and like computers like these teachers aren't going to know why these kids like can't get on or why their like stream isn't working and why their test shut down and I, I think it's going to be really hard for the education system like to adapt and to really like understand like why this stuff is happening like because if you said to your teacher like oh, sorry, I couldn't get my test uploaded because my upload speed was like a 0.5 and my dad's working from home and my mom's working from home and they're both streaming via Zoom in the background and my sister's watching Netflix in the background. So my internet is just like completely being overused and like all of the stuff in the background is just causing me to just not get this test up. They're going to be like, okay, like I don't like I don't know what to tell you. You didn't get the test up. Like you don't pass. So I think it's going to be really hard for like these these kids to understand and for these teachers to understand like oh this is like an internet issue and like these kids can't get this up because their internet is slow it's going to be a huge learning curve for just everyone like involved I, I really think that my mom's uh she's a teacher and she's been just like frantically trying to figure out what is going to be like her internet solution like we don't have bad internet by any means but we definitely do not have good internet and it's also to, there's five people in the house and there's so many devices just on probably the base standard, like the base package of internet like that that's offered in our area. But like we definitely don't have bad internet, but it's just like she's scrambling trying to figure out how she can get better internet like to us. So then when she, if she has to do something from home, like uh, to like teach something. And then my sister, like both of my sisters are, um, are doing remote learning right now. So like if they both have to do like uh, like Zoom calls or something, or they both have to do work and then my mom has to do work and then say, I'm just home watching something like Lisa said, and they can't get their work done. Like what is she supposed to do? So she's, she's stressing out in that, that aspect. And she also has to figure out if her kids, if her students have accessibility too. Like, it's just, I don't, I don't know what the solution is going to be for like, the internet problem, especially with right now, like everything going on that, like a lot of people need the internet more than ever to like get stuff done and like go to school or do work. Like it's just, it's crazy. Just like 
how bad some of the internet is in some areas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Cause it's, it's really sad too, because I saw there was that one picture. I don't know if you guys saw it, but there was, it was floating around with like, there was like a little kid and he was at the computer he was like in elementary school or something. And he was like by the computer and he was really frustrated and he was like upset and like a lot of people were just like kind of give him grief and stuff it's like i can't even imagine what it's like to be at that age especially you know for teachers and for younger students to be dealing with this whole learning from home environment on top of having slow internet speed which is out of their control so they might be receiving data and sending data and they kind of know how it works but they don't understand why it's slow and how it's out of their control when they're doing things it's very frustrating and the other thing about that too is like you have to pay for higher speeds so not everyone can afford those higher speeds so it's like okay you could have a house with two working parents who make good money and they could have 300 download and 100 up for example and have fantastic speeds and the kid is able to you know if he's whatever teenager middle school whatever He's able to upload his tests. He's he's working no problem. But you could have that same situation with more kids in the house or a family that doesn't make that much money or makes less money and they have a slower speed. There's a huge technological gap there because it's not like now like where you could go to a library or something because a lot of the libraries, at least around me, are They're closed because yeah. of the pandemic. Exactly. So like there's no central place and obviously the school's – were closed and they're when they're going to be open they're open in very limited capacity there needs to be a way we need to really figure this out and put in some kind of plan and i don't really know what the definitive answer is either you know the google fiber thing was a was a good idea mm-hmm. um yeah. i just feel like it was it was too costly for them and they weren't they weren't getting the kind of investment on return i was they're hoping but we can't have that like we need to I don't know if, if if the solution is get a pu- public internet infrastructure in there for speed or what. If we're going to be going to a society that's going to be heavily and highly dependent on efficient technology and internet speed, we got to do something to increase our bandwidth and increase our capacity because it's just going to become a problem. And we need to yeah. really work on limiting this divide that we have because it really is. You're getting people who are going to have two different educations here based solely on speed, which is out of their control. Mm-hmm. 100%. And actually, I just ran a speed test at Chris's uh, on his laptop. So I was just curious to know what his upload and download speed is. It's not, I mean, he's got 23 upload, 27 download. And like both of his parents, they don't work in tech. Like You don't know what to get. And I mean, it works for being here. But like being back at my house, my dad, uh, he's a, a global international IT manager. He knows computers. He's been working remote since before the pandemic. And our upload speed and download speeds, they're like well above into the 700s. He told me like, that's what he, that's what we need. That's what he got. And he like, like our internet is amazing. And my boss actually didn't even believe me when I ran my speed test at home and told him he made me take a picture and send it to him because he was like, why is your internet that bad? But my dad, he works in computers. He knows computers. He runs his, um, consulting computer business out of our house which he's been doing since before the pandemic so our internet speed is great so i've never run into an issue but like chris's family this is probably all they needed before the pandemic like they weren't really doing anything crazy so they wouldn't need to have that high of internet speeds 
like being home because like what are they doing watching netflix maybe they're going on to just do some minor shopping do like whatever they need to do write an essay or whatnot but now that everyone is home they probably do like feel the effects of this 23 upload 27 download because it's like wow all five of us and i'm here so you know all six of us now are doing something on their computers or doing something or working from home and it's like wow like it will affect them but if it was just chris working from home or if it was just his mom working from home that would be like a a fine speed for you know someone just doing one thing on their computer but i think like that's going to be really tough and you're right like people don't realize it's what they need like because if it's working fine for like their whole lives like oh i've never had bad internet but like you run a speed test you have 20 upload 27 download and then five people are working from home four people are on zoom calls and one kid's trying to do a test. Like you're going to feel that now, you know? Absolutely. They were using that for all their lives and that's all they needed. And now all of a sudden you have all these people in a household and they're going to be saying, wait a minute, it was working fine before. And now we're starting to do these things and we're really seeing the effects. And it's not fair in a lot of ways that they have to pay more money for the speed because they, it's not really their fault that they got put in this situation. Like my brother, he has like a gigabit switch in his house that he has gigabit Ethernet to, and then he has fiber connected, uh, you know, outside, and it go and the fiber runs in his house. So he's got like your your parents' house, Lisa, has really fast speeds, and I, my speeds are, are decent enough. Like they're 100 meg down, and my, my upload speed's kind of crappy. Like it's it fluctuates <laughs> between 10 and 15. Like that's definitely the worst part of it. Like still, like I mean, the download speed is what you use the most for most people. Yeah. Uh, in unusual situations, but now with people uploading projects and uploading files and stuff, that you feel that low upload speed, and it's like we need to also educate people on on what these speeds actually mean, because there's going to be situations where that speed isn't going to cut it. Like again, having a family. <laughs> Chris, sorry, we keep we keep talking about your family, dude, and you haven't chimed in yet. But <laughs> dogging on my family. No, we're not. Again, yeah, we got bad internet. <laughs> yeah, we're ragging on Chris here. We didn't want him to get him talk yet, but but no, it's like we need to educate people. And again, I'm not talking about your family, Chris. But I'm, I'm saying in no, general. No, we definitely need to educate. They don't understand anything about about the internet or just technology in general. Like the amount of times I need to help my parents with like, like just the very basics of just a computer. Like <laughs> my mom asked me the other day, how to how to set up like a password for for like a phone like something on her phone i'm like it, it, it's simple mom like it's, it's there <laughs> or like we spent we spent the whole like two weeks like she she needs to get a new laptop uh because like her and my sister share one right now and she wants to get a laptop so she can use it for work so like if she uh has to like contact students like and my sister has to do stuff that she's just not taking away like the learning tool from my sister so she can do work. So she is buying a laptop and she's, and she's asking me like what she should get this and that I'm telling her, I'm like, you really don't need anything more than like a Chromebook, like to, to do the work you're doing. I'm like, you're typing documents and sending an email. Like you're, you don't need any like crazy processing power to do that. Like you can do it on your phone, but like, I understand why you want the laptop. So she's like, she refused to, she she originally wanted a Mac and she was going to get some, like a MacBook Pro to do this. I'm like, but you don't, I'm like, you don't need that stuff, mom. Like it's like, you're, you're going to spend way too much money. Absolutely. Then she, now she's on the um, Lenovo because that's what her district is providing for some of her students. And she's like, oh, I need to be on the same hardware. But I'm like, if they're on the same, like 
operating system as you like you should be fine like it's very minuscule details like like between like a lenovo and like an hp like it's yeah, tiny it's tiny like, hardware differences exactly. yeah but if it's yeah if it's running the same os it's, it's fine like if they're having an os issue like it's gonna you can resolve it on yours because you have the same os if it's something like completely messing up with the hardware that's a different issue she she just bought a lenovo and she's and she, she finally like just listen to what I was saying to her. Um, I've, I've been telling her fast like two weeks. I'm like, you don't need an i7 processor. Like you're fine. No, no. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, like, I'm like, you do not need it. You're sending emails and typing up stuff. And she's like, well, what if I need to stream? I'm like, that has nothing to do with like your processor. <laughs> I know that's funny too. It's like, what if I need to stream? It's like, she's not doing the kind of streaming that you and I stream, Chris, like on YouTube and Twitch. Like she's probably yeah. streaming like a screen share on Zoom, which is like yeah. nothing. <laughs> yeah, literally. exactly. You can do from your phone. Like your yeah. phone has the processing power to do it. Like she <laughs> was, she just couldn't grasp the concept. And of like, it's, it's just so, it's so irritating because she just, but she like I, I would never expect her to know that stuff because it's like she didn't grow up with it and up until this point like she has she did not need to know how to use the stuff right like but now it's an essential part to her her day-to-day and -day working so like she needs to have like some understanding of it to even perform her job at this point especially like in the earlier parts of quarantine where she was full remote like i was helping her like very often like set things up and like making sure that like like if she was doing a class, like making sure that I wasn't doing anything crazy on the internet. So then she wasn't like dropping, like, like if, if I would let her know when I would have a zoom call for my classes. So then she would kind of make sure that she wasn't doing stuff. Oh, wow. The, the, yeah. It was, it was rough. Cause it was, it was four of us in the house doing remote, remote learning. Like my mom was doing like obviously remote teaching, but me and my two sisters were doing remote learning and like roughly around the same time. And then if one of us wasn't doing something like, you know, my, my youngest sister wakes up at one in one in the afternoon, crawls out of bed and she's like, oh, it's time to watch some Disney plus. I'm going to watch something while Chris is in the middle of his zoom class. And then I become like a, I look like a, a Picasso painting, like him in, in the middle of my zoom call. Wow. See that I, I love hearing that Chris, cause that's exactly the kind of stories I've heard from other people. But I love hearing those experiences because I've never had that happen before because as the same situation as Lisa was, my dad also works in IT, so he knows this stuff and he knows speeds and what speeds to get. So when I was home before I moved to New Jersey and I was living at home with my parents, I never had those speed problems because my dad could be on his laptop watching Netflix. My mom could be watching something on the TV streaming and I could be downstairs playing games or something and we would never have those kind of problems so i find it very fascinating that you literally have to divide up who can do what like okay chris no smash brothers for you for the next hour because <laughs> you know, oh, you know yeah. what i'm saying no <laughs> smash brothers for you for the next hour because i have a call i've never had experienced that before so that to me is like so fascinating oh no there's there's many nights in my house where if if i'm like trying to play some late night call of duty and my and I start feeling some lag. I'll march upstairs and be like, "You guys get off Netflix now!" I'm like it's two. In, I'm like, first of all, you should be in bed two in the morning. And we're trying, we're trying to run some, we're trying to get a streak going. Like I'm trying to win some Warzone games tonight. Like you get off now, because if I die to one more riot shield, I'm gonna lose my mind. Are you trying to educate them on speeds, and you're trying to say, "Hey, maybe we should try to upgrade to another package," or are you trying to? Uh, are you gonna try to continue as we go? 
go forward saying, look, like, you know, if we're going to have six people in this house, this is what we're going to have to keep facing with the speeds. Maybe it's time we upgrade. Is, is that what you're, you're doing right now? They pay for the like slightly like the enhanced internet, like whatever the, the, because we have optimum. So whatever, like the slightly better packages, I'm telling them they should switch to Fios, but since, because of where we live, like the town of Brookhaven has a contract with Fios. So uh, no, no, not with Fios. They have a contract with, with optimum. So if you go outside of like, so if we want to get Fios or, or anything along the lines of that, it's an additional fee. So like I've, I've like Lisa spoken to her, her father for us and like, they're like, Hey, like, what can they do to improve their internet speed? And he's like, Oh, like first, like do Fios because Fios is like one of the best providers out there. And, and then like go from there, like you can upgrade your, your modem and router or whatever. But my mom pretty much immediately shot down. It's like, like, it's so much money. Like we already pay so much for our cable and for our internet speed and everything. It's just like, it's just an added expense at that point. And it's like, all right, well, do you cut ties with cable considering like most people don't even watch like traditional TV anymore? Like we don't like at most we watch probably like six or seven channels. So it's just a, it's, it's another like expense at that point. It's like, do you want to cut ties with it? And then do you also want to like, upgrade your internet and I'm trying to get them to do it. I want them to do it because then I like, if I have to start working from home, if I get a job, like if I get a job in the field, like I'm not going to be able to go right into work. Like I'm going to, I'm more than likely going to have to work from home. So it will affect my work along with everyone else in the house. Like, and at the moment, like I'm not home super often because I work two jobs. So like if I get a job where I'm sitting in the basement and I have to be like monitoring a stream or something and I'm working remotely, like you're going to feel the effects of that during the day too. So I, I don't know. I'm trying, I'm trying to get my, I have to, I definitely have to make more of an effort to educate her because it does, it's going to affect their, like everyone's work and education real bad. It all depends where you live too, because Optimum where my parents live has fantastic speeds. We have, you know, 300 download and like a hundred up there, even though you have the same company, like you could have Optimum in another town because of the way the the wires are drawn and the type of connections they're using, the speeds could be 20% less than what it is in my parents' house just because of the way they live. And it's only because of that, even though it's the same company. So yeah. it's like there's so much inconsistency here because you could have an area like that's owned by, let's just say, Comcast in one place and have the <laughs> same area owned by the same company and have way less speed so and you're right chris which is the other good point is like you have these companies who completely control a district and have a contract with that district and you have no other option which is say i want google fiber i could i could say i want google fiber all day i want <laughs> i can't get it it's impossible because google fiber doesn't exist here so <laughs> you know what i'm saying so i don't know mm -hmm. if the solution is we need to do a public investment on our internet and on our infrastructure and get everybody to at least a reasonable speed of like 100 download and like maybe like 25 to 30 up or something reasonable and get that happening. Because I don't know. I, I don't know what the solution is, especially in the Midwest with these with these places that literally sometimes that's like unfeasible. It's like you have these farm areas, which I, I know it sounds like I'm kind of like 
grouping <laughs> things together, but it's true. Like you yeah. can have, uh, it's true because my dad, when he did uh, integration work for a living, he went to some of these places and there were literally like farm areas with data centers there. And then like the nearby house that they'd be uplinking to is like 30 miles down the road. So, <laughs> so you're going to have to run fiber and connection 30 miles down the road for one house. So Oof. I get why companies don't want to invest in it, but maybe we should look at other alternatives or either give these companies incentives to put these infrastructure in these type of houses or do a public infrastructure. I don't know, but something needs to be done because there's no way we can be an interconnected society and have super high speed if we just don't have the infrastructure to do it. Yeah, it, it's going to definitely, and like, honestly, I hate to be like, I'm in my own bubble, but like, I really like, didn't even think about that. Like, you're right. Like the Midwest, like they are so separated, like here, like on like Long Island and even Jersey, like you're so on top of the house next to you that like, no, like why wouldn't, like optimum want to just take control of the entire like brookhaven area because they have so many houses now that they're attached to because everyone's just like right next to each other but, like you're right like these places in the midwest like it goes on for miles before like you hit another house that like it it is crazy like i really didn't even think about that and like then like those kids are getting affected that family is getting affected mm -hmm. wow you know that that's a crazy thing to think about and I, I didn't like put that in perspective yeah, because like for me, I live in, in a very busy suburban area and I got a downtown right next to me. So, of course, my internet speed is going to be high even for a basic package. But all I'm saying is like we need to really start brainstorming and come up with ideas because what Chris is going through right now cannot function. <laughs> he's going to be working from home very soon and he's got to do something and someone else has to work at the same time. It's just it's it's chaos. It's absolute chaos. Yeah, the government's got to get get cranking on this so I can play Call of Duty and my sister can watch Netflix at the same time. <laughs> got to tackle the big, big ticket issue here. If there's anyone who works in any form of government listening, Chris just made a public platform saying if you endorse wanting to have higher speeds for Call of Duty, Chris will uh, advocate for you. <laughs> please save me. <laughs> please, please save Chris. All he wants to do is win a couple of team deathmatch games. Hey man, come stream. It's come a place to ask. Yeah, I'll, I'll come. come I'll bring my PlayStation to her house. Voice yeah. and Fall Guys. We've got great internet. Wait, speaking <laughs> of which, Chris, do you have Fall Guys? I do. I love it. But we should play Fall Guys at some point, dude. I love it. We, do you, what do you play on? I play on PC. You play on Steam. Okay, I have Xbox, but I think I uh, not Xbox. I uh, PlayStation. Is it crossplay? I, I think you can do crossplay. Okay, we got we got to look at that because Fall Guys is really fun. I want him to get it on his I, PC. I you it's should. twenty bucks. It's twenty bucks though. It's free on PlayStation. Yeah. Oh, isn't it free yeah. for a limited time on PlayStation? Yeah, that's why. That's why it blew up so hard. Like blew oh. up like crazy because it was it was the game of the month. Oh, so so you permanently own it though, right? Yeah, I own it. I own oh, it. Oh, okay, gotcha. I was gonna say I didn't know if it was like a free trial or something. Okay. No. Yeah, yeah, no, I have the game. It's so much fun. I'll find out if it's crossplay. Okay, yeah, find out if it's crossplay. But that's complete. Yeah, complete <laughs> side note there. <laughs> um, well, the, the other major topic, and really the last major topic that I want to hit, Chris, is on this show we have a running theme here that we we seem to always find a way to talk about GameStop, and and this is perfect because this is related. So hear I, me out. I so, hate GameStop. <laughs> so hear me out, Chris, because I've told you GameStop stories in the past before, and I'm sure as we're talking about this, we'll have another one. And uh, I want to know Lisa's input here as well, because it's it's all related. How digital distribution, right? Downloading stuff, 
because now we're home. I don't necessarily want to go to a store to play Tony Hawk when it gets out tomorrow because you know what I'm going to do? I already have it downloaded. So all I got to do is wake up in the morning, go to my TV, turn on the Xbox, and I could already start playing Tony Hawk and, you know, pull all kinds of tricks and stuff. Back in the day, you had to go to the store and get these things. And you had to go to the store for your groceries and things. And now you can get all this stuff delivered. Um, but mainly what I want to focus here is like digital distribution and downloading things. I love this topic because there's so many things to it. Like the thing that I, I always find fascinating about this is like who owns it. So like, for example, I get a game on Steam or I buy a movie and I download the ones and zeros onto my laptop and it's mine. Is it really mine though? Hmm. What happens when Amazon, which is say Amazon one day, uh, goes bankrupt, who knows? Is that movie still mine? Well, I paid for that movie. If I have a physical copy, I can insert that copy of the theater release of Star Wars on tape machine from 1985, and I could play that, and even the Blu-rays and stuff, and I could play that all day, any day, and it's mine, and no one's coming to get it. But mm. with digital, does that really apply? Does that same thing apply? Yeah, yeah that's like my biggest fear. Sorry, Chris, but that's like my biggest fear with Spotify. Like I pay for. I was gonna say the I same use. thing. <laughs> That's my biggest fear. Like I have all these playlists made. I have all this like stuff that I, I like love to listen to. I have all these podcasts downloaded that like I'm like oh, I'm gonna get around to listening to it. And I have all this stuff that like has been accumulated over years that I'm like if anything happened to my Spotify today I wouldn't even know what I had on these playlists or what I had downloaded like podcast wise because I just save it and forget it and then listen to it at any any time I want. Like if something happened to Spotify where they were like, nope, we're done. We're, we're closing our doors. We're shutting down our system. Our, like our app doesn't work anymore. I would be like just so lost. I would be like, oh my God, I paid for all this stuff. I mean like monthly and I thought I had it forever and I made like all these playlists and I made all this stuff like thinking I would have it forever. And if it went away, I would, I would be distraught and I hate to be so like addicted to my playlist and my podcast, but that's something that I genuinely fear. Yeah, it's something I genuinely fear. <laughs> no, it's true because they could. It keeps her up at night. Yeah, it does. It's like a big, it's a big nightmare of mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true because you could have a company go under out of nowhere. You know, you could have, uh, what's those, what are those called? Hostile takeovers or something? <laughs> I think the technical term is, isn't it like 40 when like you own like 49% of the company and then you become yeah. a majority somehow. And then like <laughs> you could do whatever you want. So like that could happen. <laughs> and you're right. It's like all these episodes of one piece that I watch and all the, you know, all these different shows that I watch. If that goes under what happens because I don't own it anymore. Yeah. In, in the sense of like GameStop and stuff like that, like it definitely lost its luster because of it's like, it's just not convenient anymore. But in the sense of like a digital distribution, like I I gen I don't even think I own one physical copy for something for uh for my PlayStation. I'll really? buy physical copy. Yeah, not one. Wow. I, I think I think I I only have one game, and it's because it came with like the bundle that I bought. So like I have one I have one physical disc that just sits in my PlayStation. I don't I don't touch it. I don't play the game, <laughs> but it's just in there because I know where else to put it. But everything else I have digital. Like I, I have whatever games I play are digital. For my Switch, 
those games I'll play, like I'll, I'll buy a physical copy of that. Just, I don't, I don't know why, but I'll do it. I also think it's because there's less space on the switch. Like, I think I have like a 500, I have a 500 gig, uh, ps4 so like there's a good there's a good amount of space on there but like the switch i think only has like 32 on board with um micro sd card yeah. expansion yeah it's not a crazy amount but yeah so like i'll i'll get my i'll, I'll buy my switch games physical because i also like I, like i don't it's something with nintendo i just feel like uh i gotta buy it because it's nintendo <laughs> well especially chris that just announced today that we're recording this oh, it's yeah. funny <laughs> so here's the thing about this though right because i'll i'll, I'll basically describe it the super mario what's it called super mario all-stars which is the collection super mario of, 3d all-stars yeah super mario 3d all-stars which is a compilation of super mario 64 super mario sunshine which is a great game by the way everyone can shut up uh, <laughs> um and super mario <laughs> galaxy why in god's name that game is only going to be available for purchase both physically and digitally until march 31st is beyond me because what this is, is it's artificially making it rare in the market for no reason. I don't understand their logic in doing this. And the problem, the problem is if you don't own, like most people are going to get this game digital because that's just the way things are now. Most people get it digital. I'm buying it physical for that exact reason. Like I most, I, I get a mix of my games digital and physical. I'm more physical just because that I was able to get those cheaper. This game, I don't understand what they're doing here. Here's the thing too, Chris. I don't know if you saw this, but if you don't archive this game, because you know when you when you remove a game on your Switch library and it asks you to archive it, yeah. if you for some reason accidentally hit delete forever, you cannot get the game back if you got it digitally. Because it's not available for I, purchase because yeah. it's gone. I don't <laughs> understand this from a marketing standpoint for them. Like I really don't because it's gonna sell like it's gonna sell. Like no one is not buying that. If you own a Switch, you're buying this. Like it's just it's like I I saw the announcement today and I literally was like giddy. I was like, oh, you tell me I can play Mario Galaxy again on my Switch? I've never I've never beaten Shun, uh, Sunshine, but I'm definitely gonna get into it. Like I recently beat Odyssey, and I'm just like I gotta get this game. I gotta right. get it. But like I don't understand the logic. But you got to get it before March thirty first. <laughs> well, I'll get I'll get it before it comes out in like a, in two weeks. I'll get it. I got. I, don't worry, don't worry. I got I got the money. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll send one you. No, no, Chris, I'm getting it too. Don't get me wrong. I'm getting it. I'm 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 one of those suckers who are going to be getting it when it comes out on release. I already pre ordered it. But here's the thing, though. As much as I keep saying that, companies, it doesn't matter if it's physical or not because if the servers go down for these games because they all have kinds of patches and updates it doesn't matter if i have the disc because if i put the game in there and i just get it and i don't have the patches the game's not gonna work oh yeah like big day one patches exactly like call of duty whatever game you play now always animal crossing for crying out loud has a day yeah. one patch so no <laughs> matter how many times you get a physical game which is going back to what you know gamestop you want your games physical you want to preserve your hardware these are not the days of the GameCube, the PS2, even to a certain extent in the beginning, the 360 the PS3, where you put in the game and you have to update it. You When you got a GameCube game, you put in the disc and that was the game. No updates, no DLC, none of that crap. It was just, that was the game. We don't live in that time now, so I could have a physical disc and it means literally nothing because if I don't have the patch, I can't play the game. Yeah, it's it's crazy just how much like gaming in that aspect has like evolved from 
say like 2007 where like like when like the play playstation 3 and xbox where it's like even because i got my xbox like pretty late like i, I had the 360 like in like 2011 or something and like i i don't remember a game like i can't remember a game that i didn't have to update the the day i bought the disc like i put it like because at that point i bought everything physical i'd put my disc in and i would have to update it like day one and like you're saying like at like sometimes like it's crucial to have those day one patches because if you don't like it could fix like a major bug like ea games like are notorious for like shipping their stuff like pretty much half done and then just like a day one patch that's like <laughs> like 40 gigs to complete the game and it's like all right well there's the rest of your game right there and then that, and then that could also tie into the internet thing what if you what if mm-hmm. say your friend he, he gets his he gets his uh hard his drive. tony hawk pro <laughs> skater one and two yeah he gets his hard drive but say there's a day one patch what is he gonna do yep he can't patch <laughs> the game or a future patch you know something yeah exactly he can't you can't get some dlc yeah, like these Call of Duty has like 30, 40 gigabyte updates for the game. An update, that's oh, not even a I, game. It's ruined it's ruined my library on my play. I've I've deleted just so many games that I like haven't touched in a while. My I haven't updated the game probably in two months, but I still have I think I think currently it is two hundred and eighty two gigs on my on my PlayStation. Wow. Just sitting there. And that and that's without that's without updating it since July. So I don't even know what my what like my friend systems are at right now with like because they've been playing more active than me. That's insane. Yeah, I haven't like, updated the game in a long time too, so I'm sure it's gonna be pretty big for my PC too. Because I I do want to start playing it again. And I always look at I'm like, damn, these updates are so big. <laughs> it's like they're much. I could get full games for that. It. It's not even worth it's it. Not, it's not even worth it, man. It's it's just so it's so rough because it's like how can you expect your consumer to have like a terabyte just on hand to play call of duty i know like like who, who the hell has that much space back in the day when you bought music you would still have that mp3 file so like <laughs> for me when i bought music back in the day on um either itunes or whatever other you know service a band's website or something you would just get the zip file with the mp3s you would put them on your 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 hard drive in a folder, and you copy them over wherever. And guess what? You have them forever because now I have an infinite copy. As long as my hard drive doesn't blow up and I have backups, I have that same music file forever that I could take with me, and I could burn it onto a CD. I could put it anywhere. Now with Spotify, as great as the service is, and as much as I love it, like with playlists and stuff, like Lisa was talking about, if that blows to hell at any point, all <laughs> that stuff's gone. And now it's like, well, all the music I liked where is it you know where do i go to access it it's gone yeah that's gonna be horrible i always use this example chris because it's the most famous example and me and my friend we're big scott pilgrim fans we talk about this all the time mm-hmm. scott pilgrim versus the world the video game was one of the best beat-em-ups if not the best beat-em-up i've oh, ever played it was on like the, the xbox live um store for like a little bit and it's gone forever now right exactly it was on the xbox arcade it was one of the first Xbox games for arcade. It was phenomenal. It was like 15 bucks, and I got so much mileage out of that playing at friend's house. Okay, the problem was Warner Brothers and Ubisoft had some kind of licensing issues with one another for the game. So 
once that game got taken off the store, there was no physical copy. There was no nothing. There was no bringing it forward to current gen systems. It was gone. So unless you own an Xbox 360 with the game downloaded already, you cannot play Scott Pilgrim at all. And that's the example I always use because it makes me so sad because we have games and we have content, movies and stuff that are so good. This, these are all art forms and we're losing art because of legal problems and a bunch of crap that shouldn't exist. If companies want digital goods to be the future, they need to start treating digital goods as physical goods. You need to give us refunds on games when we ask for them. You need to give us return policies on, on games and movies and stuff when we ask for them. And give us an ability to cancel subscriptions and services because I could go to the store with a copy of a game and sell it or trade it or something. I can't do that with a digital game. So it's such a fine line. It's so difficult. And it's like, I love the convenience, but I hate the crap that goes behind it, you know? Yeah, I don't know what like companies like GameStop are going to do once like um, like digital becomes like pretty much the only way to to get a game because they've done such a terrible job of of keeping up with the times of like <laughs> adapting their business model oh absolutely like, they have like they're, they're they're just terrible with it i don't even know what would be a solution to the problem that you're saying of like uh like you don't physically own the game because then you get into a bunch of issues of like companies don't want you pirating their game like say you get a like a download code you know and then like it comes with like a zip file or whatever like you you bought tony hawk okay mm -hmm. and you get a zip file and that's how you play the game like what's preventing you from putting that zip file on just like any website and having it just accessible to other people at that point i think that's the issue that like most companies are running into is like i think they'd be more than willing than giving you that like security of like oh this is yours you own this now but it's just like with the state of the internet, it's like you can, like I could share anything. I can put it anywhere. I can just put it on a random Dropbox, put it, like post it on Twitter, and then everyone now has that game. Like it may get taken down, but not before a couple hundred people download it. Right. So I, that's, I, I think that's definitely the biggest issue. I don't know how they're going to mitigate that and like avoid that problem because like I think that's the only way that physical copies are going to stay in. Uh, saying Vogue is is the way like I own this like like pretty much why why you like buying physical it's like I own this game like mm -hmm. it can't get taken down because the server's down it can't get like if, if it's just off the store like I can't not play it now like right. you own the game um, again so. unless unless the servers are down you need that patch so you don't have it yeah That's, yeah you know so, <laughs> the, it's, the, so even the still it's caveat. I feel like Napster changed and people disagree with me, but I want to know what you guys think. I feel like Napster changed the way the internet works and the way these companies operate forever. Honestly, I never used Napster. I never yeah. used not Napster. Saying, so. Not saying you used it, because I didn't really use it either. I don't know if you guys know the history behind it or anything. but well, It was like a big place for like uh, like file sharing, right? Like That's yes. where it kind of got like popularized. So, so this it is came what out happened. in the early 2000s, right? Correct. Yes. So it came out early 2000s and... Give me a lore drop. Drop the lore on that. <laughs> kind of long story short here. Basically, it was this uh, this torrents kind of style site where people uh, upload music and then you would download it. The problem is, once that happened, the, the music industry had a meltdown. <laughs> and for the longest time, instead of trying to embrace new technologies and work around these things, 
they would try to put all these kind of policies like DRM and and severely, severely limit the accessibility of these services. So people got fed up and they started pirating music because it was like, well, I'm not going to go through this service to get the song. I'll just go through here because it's way more complicated to get the official way than it is to, to get it kind of illegally. So yeah. it wasn't only until recently, and even still though, like that's why albums are dead because companies like Apple came around and said, hey, well, uh, all right, so here's the solution here. Uh, is, since you're downloading all this music from Napster, we'll charge uh, $1 for a song you like, and you can get any song on an album, and on an album individually for a dollar. And then eventually streaming services came in and said, oh, wait a minute, like we could have every song you want for a fee. And so what happened was the artists slowly got screwed over not because of their beliefs, because a lot of artists, believe it or not, were on the side of Napster, were on the side of these co um, companies trying to distribute their songs easily mm -hmm. and not worry about DRM and not worrying about these complicated record labels getting involved and stuff, which is part of the reason. I mean, I'm not a total expert in this, but this is kind of what, from my understanding, is like that's why record labels now, like most people are independent because they don't need these giant companies and giant groups like you know, get yeah, involved and stuff. On Spotify. Because yeah. anyone could literally post, anyone. right? Literally anyone. And you can have your recording studio in your garage now. So it's way more easier to get your stuff out there. A lot of artists saw this as the future. Like, hey, like we're making these songs with, you know, a small studio here and, and we don't need these bigger companies like to control our art, control our music. Like, this is great. Once those companies start setting themselves up for DRM and making things more complicated, they screw themselves over in the future. And that's when Apple was able to capitalize, and that's when Spotify was able to capitalize. They cut out that middleman, mm -hmm. but the artists, though, unfortunately, got screwed over in the mix of in the mix of everything because they're like, "Well, wait a minute, it wasn't our fault that you know we signed with this group and we're not happy with their policies and they're putting these things." And it's like, "Oh, well, you know, this group now needs to get money, and this group now gets money, and then the artist gets like a final cut." So it's just. Napster screwed things up so much and it scared so many people in the way content's distributed that I feel mm -hmm. like that really changed the way content's delivered and, and music and, and games and all this stuff is run because they're just so overprotective of their technology. What people don't understand is people are willing to pay for a product if they enjoy it and they like it. And this is also related to GameStop and Nintendo, Chris, is because Nintendo is very hard core against emulation oh i hate that they're i hate it mm -hmm. they shut down rom sites which are places where you can play retro games but what they don't understand is a lot of people that could be their first experience into gaming as a free way and as a very easy way to start playing their classic libraries because nintendo they're not making money off those classic games anymore because those are from 2003 2004 and even prior with the nes and super nintendo and stuff so these, these sites are getting shut down where you could play these ROMs and Nintendo is losing on a market because instead of them trying to promote preservation of retro games, they're trying to hurt it. And what they don't understand is emulation of ROMs and stuff were, were around for a long time. And what happened? People still went to the Wii eShop and the 3DS eShop and bought the retro games despite there being emulation, despite there being these ROM sites. Yeah, Nintendo's always been like super like like tight-lipped and like very uh very stern with like their their policy on like roms and everything but i think like they're coming around to because the the switch just just for instance like it has so many ports on it 
Like, it has a ton of ports. Like like even this 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 new uh Mario All Stars. Like it it's got three like three classic Mario games on it. Like it's like I I if I think they're finally coming around to realizing like we could literally just put out the same product, update it, and people will pay for it. I wish that they would put it at a discounted price because it is an old product, mm-hmm. but. Like, I'm gonna pay for it. Like I'm gonna buy it. You're getting three. Well, actually, you're because you are getting three games for the price of one. I'm hoping, right? Is it is it sixty dollars? Sixty dollars, yeah. Yeah, so you're getting three games for the price of one. That's a pretty good discount. Yeah, but, and the the game the, you're right too because the, the GameCube games are like at a higher price right now on like eBay and stuff. Yeah, they that's the thing about Nintendo. They never lose value. Never. The I've I've looked. High and low for a for a copy of Mario Kart Wii because I just want to play Mario Kart Wii, and every copy is thirty forty bucks. It it never loses value. It is the only company that I could that that doesn't lose value. Like Halo, you can probably buy Halo for a nickel right now. Yeah, you can probably buy the Halo Five for a nickel right now. <laughs> yeah, if you want to buy, you want to buy any Mario game. You want to buy Mario Tennis from like the GameCube. That's gonna that's at least forty bucks. Oh yeah, it's it's, cra- it's crazy how much value it holds, dude. I remember at a gaming convention, I bought a Pokemon. Uh, I bought Pokemon Heart Gold for, uh, at a gaming convention because I I want to play it. Fifty dollars. It was forty, <laughs> and it didn't, yeah. come, dude. It didn't come with the box or anything. It was literally just the it's cartridge. Just the cart. <laughs> and I'm glad I bought it because now it's like a hundred bucks. But it's like yeah. it shows you this was five six years ago, man. Where it was that price. This is kind of the running theme to a lot of these questions. Like, what's the solution? I don't know. <laughs> but it's like... With <laughs> Someone GameStop, smarter than me is going to figure it out. <laughs> so, exactly. You know, what, what I do know, though, is is GameStop and these these physical retail, retail places, like, Best Buy was able to evolve and adapt, right? Because they, they actually have pretty damn good customer support, I will say. If you go in there and look for something, they've gotten better. They used to be really bad. And trust me, I remember they were really bad. I remember when a guy was, was trying to sell a TV once and he had knew nothing what he was talking about um <laughs> and and that was the case for a long time but they've gotten so much better i don't know how gamestop's gonna evolve and adapt i talked with uh, a gamestop <laughs> employee once about this on what they could do we brainstormed some ideas and some things they were looking to do but i just don't know man i just don't know if that's going to be sustainable and work because with these with these games it's just so much more convenient to play them digitally and despite all the things we're talking about most consumers just don't care. They just want to download stuff. I mean, because like, let's be honest here, Lisa. Like, like you're thinking and you're concerned about these music playlists, but that's not stopping you from paying for Spotify. It's not stopping yeah, it's me. Not, <laughs> no, and like Netflix too. Like my brother, he loves that. Oh God, what is it? The Anthony Bourdain show. And like for some reason, it's all on Netflix. But for some reason, he went out and he spent like over a hundred dollars to get like the full set of like the seasons of the show. And like, I talked to Chris and we were like, Oh, it's so like, why did he do that? Like we're spending, like he like spends money for Netflix. You can watch it on Netflix, but like, he loves the show. He likes to rewatch it. He thinks like that, like Anthony Bourdain is like the best. He's like, Oh, if we don't have a Netflix anymore, like at least I have like the one show that like, I really genuinely like love. And I'm like, wow, I really never thought of it like that because I really just have like Netflix Hulu on my TV. Forget, like, forget about it. Like, I can watch whatever I want at any point. But, like, if all these sites go down, I have no content. I have nothing to watch. At least my brother has this one Anthony Bourdain box set that he bought. <laughs> he can watch 40 hours of Anthony Bourdain. 
Yeah, but like I remember like talking to you about it, Chris, and being like, "That's like so such a bad move. Like he spent all this money on like a box set, and like who even watches like DVDs anymore?" <laughs> but like he, can- if something does go wrong, I don't know why he's anticipating it. But if something like does happen, where like <laughs> it is taken, well, like some of the shows are taken off Netflix. Like remember, like The Office had that huge stir, and like Friends had that huge. Everyone was so pissed. That they were going to take friends off of Netflix and people were going like crazy because like, that's really where everyone has their show stored is just Netflix. So if Netflix took it off, no one would have any access to friends. Like they wouldn't be able to watch it. They wouldn't be able to binge their favorite like season or their favorite episodes. So like, yeah, I think that was like a big stir for a while. And it's like crazy to think about like, Oh, they kind of control everything that we can and can't watch. Like, if it's not on Netflix, I'm not watching it. Excellent point. Because <laughs> you're right. Cause... Thank you. That's not, yeah. Because it's it's so true. Because so many people, they, I remember they were freaking out. It's like, what do we do? What do we do? It's like, okay, it's still, av- at least at least for that show and Friends and stuff, it's available on, like, over-the-air, publicly TBS. syndicated. Yeah, yes. syndicated. Oh, you know, God, syndicated TV. Yeah. You know, so it's on those channels. Um, so at least that's one way to watch it, but you're right. I mean, any, at any point, um, and even on YouTube guys, YouTube and stuff like look yeah. at Machinima. I don't know if you guys remember Machinima or oh some of these other God. channels, <laughs> those channels, like a lot of classic channels from the back in the day I are think, just gone are gone. Like remember that guy, Fred with the high pitched voice, like his, yeah. channel, his channel is gone. You, if you want to watch oh. a Fred video, Good luck trying to find it. Are you it. serious? I no believe way. so. I believe I'm, so. I'm looking it up right now. Okay, because I could be that's... wrong. Because there, <laughs> there, there are old, there are old YouTube channels though that are gone from back in the day from like popular yeah. celebrities. Yeah. I know that there's a lot of like channels that are pretty much devoted to re-uploading those yes. old videos. How like, do you um, get them? How do you get access like, I don't, to them? If they had them downloaded, like uh. I don't know if you remember, like when um, uh, VG, VGBC, like uh, that's like right. The, the yeah, they like project once M. they're all their their Project M files, like because they got the cease and desist from Nintendo, they had to take it all down. Um, but like there's there's an entire page like dedicated to just re-uploading like those old sets. And honestly, those are some of like the best Smash sets like around. Ever like Ever. some of some yeah. of that. Yeah, some of those PM uh, 3.0, like, Pink Fresh versus, like, M2K at, uh, at like, Low Tier City 3 or something like that. Oh, oh it's so good. Actually, it was Neon. It wasn't uh, Pink Fresh. Some dummy good sets. These channels and stuff. So for, for YouTube, unless you, like, get a converter or you find a way to get a link Fresh and download it. Still up. Sorry. <laughs> oh, Fresh Channel is still Okay, so I was wrong. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, still that sad, though, that they're all gone. <laughs> But yeah, exactly. So it's like, and what do you do? It's like, you know, and again, if YouTube, if YouTube at any point, think about how many favorite videos we have on YouTube. If Google one day decides, they say, you know what, YouTube, uh, it's too much of a problem for us. We hate dealing with all these creators and, you know, we have no real infrastructure here. We bought this company a long time ago and content and, and we're trying to pave the way for content creation because we're we're the monopoly here because there's no other there literally is no other YouTube right now. There's no place where you could go. Okay, you have Twitch and you have certain other live streaming services, but for uploaded, edited content, you're not going to Vinimo, 
You're not going to what's the other one? Daily Motion. You're not going to these places. Yeah. You're going to YouTube. Yeah. So if YouTube decides one day we're cutting it off, it's not worth it anymore. Like this is not profitable. All these videos are gone, and and my life, you know, all all of our lives here who watch these videos, who watch NKBHD, and love these these reviews from Dreamcast guy or someone, whoever, they're gone, and, and we can't see them again. It's a very crazy thing in future to think about. Well, it's all it's also at that like they would be affecting a lot of people's livelihoods because just think think about how many people make money off YouTube. Like, oh, absolutely, that too. That too. Yeah, all the creators. No, dude. <laughs> no, dude. You're right. What do you have? An ice cream? What? Oh, oh it sounded like, it sounded <laughs> like a spoon. Getting face oh, oh, oh. It sounded like a spoon or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I wish we were getting ice cream. Let's get ice cream at this pod. Yo. <laughs> yeah, you guys get ice cream. She's just trying to secure the bag. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, I think we're about ready to wrap up this episode, though, guys. Was there any other final thoughts on any of the topics we covered that you wanted to add or uh you know last minute notes or or opinions you want to get out of the way because this was a this was an excellent bunch of conversations guys this was this is so much fun real quick <laughs> i wanted to, i want to talk i've, I've okay. talked a lot about nintendo but i just need to get it out there if they take out mario's backwards like rapid jump from mario 64 i'm not buying the game wait why would they take that out like you know like the thing like uh have people like do like the speed runs like you know how he does like the like up the up the stairs like he backwards jumps up the oh, stairs oh yeah i don't think they're gonna take that out though uh, i pray to god they don't take it out because i think it would be so funny to like have that in like hd like have like new clips it would be so funny <laughs> it would be funny <laughs> i yeah i have a feeling all the, gl the glitches and stuff are still gonna be there i want them there i want it to be a bug-ridden mess <laughs> Lisa, any thoughts about anything we talked about before? No, just Spotify. Please don't go anywhere. I'll lose my <laughs> freaking mind. <laughs> but don't lose money. <laughs> the conversations were great. The conversations were so much fun. This this was honestly, it was very refreshing to kind of talk everything out. That's kind of just we've been living with for like the past couple months. It it was a good it was good conversations. Appreciate yeah. being on the pod. Oh, absolutely, guys! Thanks so much for doing this because again, like. I had this idea in my mind, like it really started picking up as we started moving along through this year. And I want to do this for a while, like I said in the beginning, and I'm so glad that I was finally able to do it with two, two some of my favorite people in the world and two, <laughs> two very smart people who know, you know, technology and know this space because, you know, you guys gave really insightful answers and thoughts and opinions. And I feel like people who are going to listen to this are really going to they're going to learn a lot and they're going to take, they're going to take a lot away from what you guys said. So I want to thank you guys again for, for doing this. Cause you guys are awesome. Thank you for having of us, course, man. Justin. Thank you for having us on. Absolutely. Is there any other, is there any like social medias that you guys want to plug? Do you guys want, want people to follow you? Like where, where can you follow you? Uh, Lisa, Lisa wants to be Twitter famous, so she can go first. Uh, I, literally, I don't post okay. anything. <laughs> I'll, okay. do my I'll do my professional Twitter on sure. here. I have a secret Twitter. If you find it, you're a big fan. But it's just, uh, <laughs> let me see. Let me see what my professional Twitter is. I think it's just Lisa Polina or Lisa. Yeah, it's just at Lisa Polina. That's P-O-L-L-I-N-A on Twitter. I, uh, I, I'm on there. You can follow me there. <laughs> cool. Well, Lisa, I'll have a link in the description for your Twitter account. So people can just click the link and give you a follow there. Of course. I expect to see a, 
about a million new follows from the pod. So I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully, hopefully you get a million followers. Hopefully the podcast gets a million followers too, Lisa. <laughs> yeah, maybe they'll all, <laughs> they'll all go in together. Yeah, right. And uh, Chris, do you did you want to plug anything or no? Uh, you could follow me on my Twitter if you want to see a bunch of retweets of stuff. So. <laughs> If you want to see some retweets, you can follow me at Chris underscore Sanuto. Okay, you're it's like a S A N N U T O. Yeah, I just I don't tweet anything. I got I got nothing to say on there. Like <laughs> I, I just I just find funny videos. That's what I use it for. I'm like, ah, oh, this this was funny to me. Retweet. <laughs> so you're, yeah, you're one of those retweet bot channels. That's fair. Yeah, pretty That's much. <laughs> cool. This was a great episode. Thanks so much again, listening and tuning in. And we will see you guys on the next episode. Later, folks. Wait, say bye, guys. You guys say bye. Oh. Bye. <laughs> oh, bye, guys. Bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs>